you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. What's up, everybody? This is Peter Schrager from The Season with Peter Schrager. I am the host of Good Morning Football on the NFL Network. I am also the NFL reporter slash insider on Fox NFL Kickoff every Sunday, 11 a.m. on Fox, 11 a.m. Eastern. And uh, I am joined by my wonderful producer, Mr. Aaron Wong Kaufman. Aaron, what's up, my friend? Not too much. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm exhausted. This weekend is like, you know, Thanksgiving weekend takes everything out of you. And then in the NFL, it's like, all right, Monday, go, keep going. And I'll tell you, I, I had a big Saturday night. Can I get into my Saturday night details with you? Yeah. Yeah. Is this from LA? This is LA. And I'm going to tell you why it was a, uh, it was a different one for me. So fly in Saturday morning and I fly in and I get in around three o'clock LA time and I do my customary eat everything in sight on the flight, six bag of Cheez-Its, seven things of Sour Patch Kids, um, ask the flight attendant for multiple Diet Cokes, uh, watch a couple movies, saw the Clerks 3 film. Oh. I don't know if you knew there was a Clerks 3. I think they, they put it out. View askew. Shout out to Kevin Smith. I enjoyed it. Got kind of sentimental at the end and a little dark at the end. I, it was Did not expect, spoiler alert to Clerks <laughs> 3, did not expect a like tragic death at the end and like this emotional, like heart-wrenching scene. I don't know if it really worked, but I watched the whole movie. Then I watched Kramer versus Kramer, which is a 1979 custody battle, which is a very quiet custody uh, battle fil- film with Meryl Streep and Dustin Hoffman. I'd never seen it. It won every camera. Fantastic film. Yet I get off the plane just crying my eyes out. So here I am in this state after watching this brutal film, Kramer versus Kramer, about uh, you know a child being battled over in courts, and then. I get the text from uh, my host on Fox NFL kickoff, Carissa Thompson. We're doing a team dinner tonight. You're in. I said, I'm in. So the crew was myself, Carissa Thompson, who is an angel, Michael Vick, former NFL quarterback. He's on the show with us. Sean Payton, former New Orleans Saints head coach, Super Bowl champion. And Danny Amendola. Danny Amendola is filming this Fox show that looks absolutely insane where I forget what it's like, Fox Special Force or something, but it's him and it's Mike Piazza. You saw the commercials during Thanksgiving week and they they go through 10 days of like elite military training and Amendola was promoting the show. Of course, he's a two-time Super Bowl champion and a gentleman. We had him on also. So I'm like, sure, I'm in. Let's go. Put on some jeans, put on a shirt. Don't know what I'm going into. We go to a place called Craig's. Aaron, have you heard of Craig's? I have never heard of Craig's. Story with Craig's is thus. The maitre d' at Dantana's, you've heard of Dantana's. Dantana's uh-huh. is the spot in LA for you know Sinatra and uh, right down to Al Pacino and De Niro. The maitre d' about 10 years ago left and opened his own spot called Craig's. It is the Hollywood hotspot of hotspots. I'm talking paparazzi outside. 
I'm talking, I went Super Bowl week. I saw just about every NFL Hall of Famer, and I think there was a Kardashian or two there. And last year, I went with uh, my dear friends, Aaron Andrews and Carissa Thompson to Craig's, and we were there, and Jim Nance was next to us, and they were calling a Chargers game, and Doc Rivers was there, and George Clooney was in the house. So when I heard we're going to Craig's, I said, all right, what we got, what we got, what we got. We go there. Dinner's at six o'clock. There were no other celebrities. I say other because I think Sean Payton qualifies as a celebrity. Chris is probably a celebrity. They are a great night. Take a take a team photo after you know a couple of bottles of wine, and Sean Payton is the rock and tour. He's telling us stories from the Super Bowl years, and he's ordering bottles of wine. We're having a great night, and we leave, and then we wake up. We do the show. I'm flying back, and I get a text from my wife's friend Margot, who lives out in Los Angeles. And she texts me, oh, you were out last night, huh? And I go, what? Craig's Instagram posted a photo of all you guys at dinner. I am Instagram famous right now, Aaron. We made the Craig's Instagram story feed. I got multiple texts about it. It wasn't a great angle. You see my entire stomach and it was not in a good day. But I made the shot. And I got to say, while I'm taking the photo, I'm saying, take a video. I'm going to plug the season with Peter Schrager. Can we get some additional viewers? Because that was my first brush with like being an L.A. celebrity. Are you impressed? I, I love it. I also know you famously are not on Instagram, too. So I love that you didn't know that you were on their, their page and someone else let you know on Sunday. That's great. You know, it's funny. I'm not on Instagram. And uh Everyone's like in hysteria over, uh, you know, what's going on with Twitter. And then there was like this push from a lot of people in media to join something called Mastodon. I said, guys, I don't have Facebook. I don't have Instagram. I, I, I'm a little slow on the uptick. I think I'm going to be just fine staying off all those things. But I am on the Craig's Instagram page. <laughs> so I've made it. Uh, let's do a little four downs. What do you say? All right. First down. Which team had the biggest statement win over the weekend? I think it has to be the Cincinnati Bengals. Cincinnati Bengals season has been one that's really interesting, worth charting. And Aaron, I go back to the first two weeks and they started off 0-2 and they couldn't protect the quarterback, Joe Burrow, after they spent the entire offseason spending a lot of money to protect him. Brought in guys like Lyle Collins and Alex Karras. And they really did beef up that offensive line. But the first two weeks, he got absolutely destroyed. In hindsight... Week one was against T.J. Watt and the Steelers' front, which is really good. And week two was against Micah Parsons and the Cowboys' front, which is really good. They lost a few games more. Then they had that Monday night game. The Monday night game was against the Browns, and I think everyone was like, all right, the Bengals will roll over the Browns. This will be easy. And the Browns absolutely blew them out. Nick Chubb's still running touchdowns in. And the story that came out on Tuesday that maybe not everyone knew and still doesn't even acknowledge is that one of their dear and beloved assistant coaches, Adam Zimmer, 38 years old, actually passed away over the weekend in the early hours Monday morning. And they all got that news Monday before the Monday night game, the coaching staff at least did. A lot of heavy hearts, people's heads in a lot of different places. They got blown out in that game and it's like, all right, they're frauds. I have to think that was an incredible rough, not only 24 hours, 48 hours, week, everything, when you find that news out. The Zimmer family, very, very important to Cincinnati Bengals. Of course, Mike Zimmer was defensive coach there for many years under Marvin Lewis and, of course, had such great success with those defenses with Pac-Man Jones and all those guys. This is his son. Now, the Bengals players would never point to that and say, oh, that was why we lost. And the Bengals coaches certainly wouldn't either. And I'm not saying that's why they lost. I just know what that does to a building, to any workplace environment, whether people were close with Zimmer or not. 
it, it has an effect. So they lost that game. They go out there the next week. They absolutely blow out the Carolina Panthers. Joe Mixon has five touchdowns. They go on a bye. They go out there and they go into Pittsburgh, a place that could be a house of horrors for teams. They go out there and they beat the Steelers in Pittsburgh. And they go into Tennessee. They're huge underdogs. And they find out right before the game, Jamar Chase is actually not going to go, even though there was expectations he would play. Joe Mixon not in the lineup. And they start off and they're struggling early. And the Titans have this weird play where Henry drops the ball after an 80-yard reception and then Burks recovers it. It just didn't seem like it was going to be their day. And the Bengals fought. Gosh, did they fight. The Bengals fought and they come out on top. And suddenly they're 7-4. and four. They're tied atop the AFC North. They're alive in this thing. And now they take the Chiefs uh, on, on Sunday. And it's like, this isn't going to be just a Chiefs blowout. You can't be, not considering the history that... Last year, they played him twice. One time in Cincinnati, Jamar Chase had three touchdowns at about 200 yards. And the AFC Championship game, we're down 21-3 in Kansas City and came back one. This team, my whole point about the story of the season, like they've been through such such highs and lows already. Like They've been through adversity. And it really starts off with an appendicitis from Joe Burrow over the summer where he missed all of August and came out and just kind of played week one. But we weren't sure where his health was. And now we have the final two months of the season, and this is when this team got really hot last year. It's when this team really put it all together. They've got five more regular season games. I'm watching the Ravens lose to the Jaguars in a game where you can't tell me that the AFC North is owned by Baltimore when they can't beat the Jaguars up late in the fourth quarter and their defense gives up another game. I think the Bengals had a huge win. It was a statement win to the rest of the league. And even if they do drop one to Kansas City, it doesn't mean they're not going to be the team that's the last one standing in the AFC North. And it doesn't mean they can't go on the road and win games in the playoffs. So they have to. I was really impressed with the Bengals this week. Can I give you one stat I had on the yeah, Bengals I would love too? It. So since week four against Miami, the Bengals have had 20 touchdowns on 23 red zone trips, which is an 87% conversion rate. The league average is 56%, and the second most efficient is the Eagles with 76%. So they're 11% better in on their red zone trips getting a touchdown. I mean, that's like those numbers are ridiculous. It's, no, it's yeah. if you watch a team every Sunday that can't put the ball in the end zone, you know how important that is. Bengals are for real. A uh, ton of injuries, and they're all coming back. I mean, Chase is coming back. Mixon's coming back. So I think they're going to be straight. Yeah. All right. Second down. How bad is it in Denver right now? What's going on? Oh, it's it's bad. Uh, if you watch that game, it it's it's real bad. They lost to the Carolina Panthers by the score of twenty three to ten. It really was a 23 to three game. The Broncos at the end had like 18 shots at the end zone, including four penalties on the Panthers to finally get one in just to put up double digits. Um, here's why it's so bad. Yes. You know, Russell Wilson is not fulfilling expectations. Yes. You know, his contract, you know, all that. Why it's so bad is that the ownership group is brand new and they inherited all of this mess. So the new owners, uh, the Walton, the Penner family, they come in and they inherit Nathaniel Hackett as the head coach. They inherit George Payton as the GM. They inherit Russell Wilson in a $225 million contract, which they truly can't get out of until 2027 from what it looks like. So to me, it's bad because I think this might be a one and done coach. And if it's Hackett, you're paying him out the next four years. He signed a five-year deal, I believe, for guaranteed money. George Payton had a great first year as a general manager, and then his second year had this big splash Russell Wilson deal. I don't know if the owners look at that and say, well, what the hell did that, what, what kind of judgment was this? Did anyone watch him play last year? I am the first one to raise my hand and say I did not see this coming. I picked Russell Wilson before the season to be my MVP of the league. Not 
winning quarterback, not a playoff quarterback, the MVP of the league. I also said that the Broncos would be going to the playoffs. And I also said famously, and this is why I'm the greatest in sports media, because I will say it on my own podcast, that Nathaniel Hackett would be the coach of the year. I had such high hopes for this team. Why? Because the defense has always been good. And guess what? The defense this year is still really, really good. All they had were question marks at quarterback. And then they got Russell Wilson. And I figured like Stafford did last year and like Tom Brady did two years ago, you take this team with a good young roster and you just put in a better quarterback, we can elevate. It has been the absolute opposite. And when you see Mike Purcell, the defensive tackle, arguing with Russell Wilson or barking at Russell Wilson or Russell kind of like shrugging his shoulders, like I don't know what to do on the sideline, you know it's, it's off the rails. Um, Nathaniel Hackett is one of the all-time great, great dudes of this league. Players love him. He's an awesome person. He's coached everywhere. Aaron Rodgers swore by him. It's one of the main reasons he was such a valued, uh, you know, hire by the Broncos and why they kind of jumped out and hired him early in this process. Everyone speaks the world of him. This might not be his deal. Like maybe he'll be another coach somewhere else. Maybe he gets another season with them. I don't know if that's possible, but this thing has been just off the rails. And the second you as an offensive coach give up play calling duties, and he did that to Clint Kubiak two weeks ago, it's almost a giant white flag. I'm not saying he's quitting. I know what he's doing. He's trying to salvage something and get something going and kickstarted. Um, but I don't see it happening. And the worst part about this thing, they're the third worst team in football and their first round pick goes to the Seattle Seahawks this year. All right. I think we're doing this every week. It seems like for our four downs, just another update, third down. What do we make of the Odo Beckham plane situation that happened Sunday? Picture yourself now, Aaron. You just had Thanksgiving weekend. You were with your grandparents in Florida. You were with your parents. You were with your cousins, your aunts and your uncles. You've got four kids. Let's say four kids. You've got four kids. They want to go to Disney, but you're in Miami, so you're not going to Disney. What do you mean? We're going to Florida, but we're not going to Disney. We're not going to Disney, okay? Saturday, it was raining. Sunday, you know, all right, we're going to the airport. You got the two car seats in the back. You got to return the rental car. You get to the airport. We're going back home. The kid is asking why Bluey's not working on the iPad. The other kid uh, is upset because you promised that you were going to get something at the Hudson News, but we're not buying you a Tolbarone. We're not. We're not buying you a Tolbarone before uh, uh, 8 a.m. flight out of Miami. And you've got two other kids who are bickering with each other. One of them doesn't talk to you because you took away some, you know, toy, whatever. You get on the plane, you get buckled in, and the flight's about to take off, and you, as that passenger, are told, folks, we're going to have to deplane the plane. You have to get off the plane. Take your bags from the top, you in 36C, because a passenger in first class will not put on his seatbelt and is dipping in and out of consciousness, and that person is Odell Beckham. That's who I feel for. I feel for the mother and the father and the kids in the back of coach. I know Odell's not flying coach. I know that a lot of people haven't had to be through these situations. Have you ever been on a plane where you deplane it because of an unruly passenger? I have. That passenger... You're saying things under your breath and over your breath at that point. And everyone's in a collective, uh, you know. So I, we had Nate Burleson on the show Monday. And, you know, I, I don't know if Nate's ever smelled coach and what it's like sitting back there. Um, but Nate was saying, like, how are you, you going to take this man off thing? I'm like, why is everyone all worked up? I'm like, it's not about the fact whether he was asleep or not asleep or wearing a seatbelt. It was the inconvenience for the others that I'm thinking about. As for football, none of it matters. <laughs> None of it matters at all. 
It doesn't matter at all. The Cowboys don't care. The Bills don't care. The Giants don't care. Odell Beckham's a really good wide receiver. He's a pretty good dude. I think everyone who's ever played with him likes the guy, and I think he's going to make an immediate impact for one of these teams. I'm surprised the Cowboys haven't signed him yet. For all the talk that Jerry Jones has had, for all the you know the mutual love with the Micah Parsons stuff and all that, I am shocked that Odell has not signed with the Dallas Cowboys. And the fact that Von Miller got hurt in that Thanksgiving Day game, that's the biggest guy for Odell. I assume Vaughn's coming back. We hope so. But I don't know if Buffalo is still much in the cards. And I said it last week, I don't see the Giants thing happening. I, it would be a shock to me, especially with them having two losses in a row. It makes too much sense for Odell Beckham, the biggest international star in the sport. And I mean that. We go to London and Germany, like there's Odell Beckham jerseys everywhere. And they come from all shapes and sizes, Giants, Rams, Browns. I, I wouldn't be shocked if the Cowboys got that thing done th- this week and said, hey, let's stretch. Let's finish our stretch out run with them. But the uh, the plane thing, I thought more about the parents and the uh, other people coming back from a long Thanksgiving weekend with family and having to wait before a five-hour flight and get off the plane because some guy in first class, uh, you know, maybe it was getting a little Z's in the front seat. All right. Fourth down, who do you want to shout out this week? I would like to shout out my favorite mascot in all of sports, the great Jackson DeVille. Jackson DeVille is a modern marvel, and as much as we love uh, Vince Lombardi and John Madden and Tom Brady and Joe Montana, I think Jackson DeVille is the face of the NFL. This mascot was completely drenched before the game against the Ravens, and instead of oh, I don't know, not coming out for his 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 day of work. For Instead of putting on a giant parka or a windbreaker or a poncho, Jackson DeVille derobed his entire mascot costume down to just his underwear. And it just happened to be a bikini underwear, a Speedo, if you will. And that Speedo underwear was an American flag on the front and a string bikini on the back. So you could see Jackson's cat ass in, in just bare bear wind and he was slapping his own butt he was gyrating after a touchdown this is what being a mascot is all about i'm all for the t-shirt cannon and i'm all for the jumbotron and posing for photos and doing whatever but if you can make me howl in laughter and you can make me want to go see the jaguars in person because of the mascot and his hijinks and if you can single-handedly be the reason the jaguars had a fourth quarter drive down down seven points against a perennial playoff team and win the biggest game that the franchise has had in two years, which Jackson DeVille did. Trevor Lawrence had nothing to do with that game. Zay Jones had nothing to do with that game. And I promise you, Marvin Jones's catch doesn't happen if Jackson DeVille is not thrusting himself in the back of the end zone with a American flag string bikini on. Everyone, if you haven't seen it, Google Jackson DeVille. Have yourself an entire wormhole on Wikipedia and YouTube. This is not his first time up to no good and up to everything I want out of a mascot. I'm a huge Jackson DeVille fan. He's getting my shout out. I don't know if it's a man or a woman under that costume. I don't want to know. I just know that he brought the funnies on Sunday and I needed it. <laughs> Aaron, who do you want to give a shout out to? Um, I think I want to shout out just like the rookie class in general this week. It, it seemed like Another viral moment from the weekend was Brian Robinson Jr. with the big hat. Uh, but he also, before the big hat, he had a great game for the Commanders. Christian Watson had the touchdown at the end of the game, and it was a garbage time. Didn't really matter. Didn't matter to cut the lead. And then last night, Kenny Pickett, George Pickens, like Pickett has looked good. I think last night was one of the first nights when 
we really have started to feel okay with Pickett as yeah. like the future of the Steelers. And I mean, Pickens is just like this incredible it's receiver. Anyways, yeah. Um, the Jets, uh, we had um, Bam. Uh, Knight. The rookie running back. Sonovan, yeah. Bam, Knight. Uh, and then, I mean, Mike White's not a rookie, but yeah. So I think the rookie class. And Garrett Wilson on the Jets. Yeah, Garrett Wilson. Ryan Robinson on the Commanders. Yeah. Big week for rookies, I think. Huge week for rookies. I'll throw in two defensive players. I thought uh, Reed Blankenship for the Philadelphia Eagles, filling in for Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, played incredibly well. And the other rookie I'd like to mention is Martin M.J. Emerson for the Cleveland Browns. He was up against Mike Evans in a huge game and shut Evans down. There were six targets on him. He didn't catch any of them. So you're right. The rookies are playing well. And as for Kenny Pickett, I made the point on Good Morning Football. I thought this was interesting that in New York, we've got Zach Wilson, who is now in his second year and has all these starts under his belt and he's regressing and you're not seeing any progress. In Pittsburgh, if you're patient, you might have to sacrifice one season of going to the playoffs, but this guy has gotten so much better week after week after week. That is how it's supposed to go. You throw a guy into the fire and he gets better, and there's obvious improvement. Kenny Pickett was really good Monday night against the Colts. Great call, Aaron. Coming up after this break, we've got one of my favorite guys in football. He was the head coach of the Carolina Panthers for two and a half seasons, and now he is the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Fresh off the announcement, he's cool enough to join us. Matt Rule on the season with Peter Schrager. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Now welcoming on our guest uh, for this week. I couldn't be more excited. One of the great men in football. Uh, you, you knew him as the head coach of the Carolina Panthers for the past few years. And before that, he was at Baylor. He was at Temple. He was at a million other places on his rise. And now he is the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Let's welcome in Matt Rule to the show. Matt, what's up, man? What's up, dude? How are you? Dude, I am great. Uh, it has been a whirlwind for you. You uh, announced on Twitter, or they announced Nebraska that you would be the head coach of the Nebraska Cornhuskers on Saturday afternoon. We are recording this Tuesday morning. You are so cool for joining us in such a whirlwind. What has the last ninety-six hours of your life been like, dude? It was it was uh, it was crazy. It was like um, I guess it would be uh, Friday night. We thought it was done. We thought it was you know it's not going to work out. Um, you thought it was over. It was going to fall yeah, apart. Yeah, yeah, just thought it was all going to fall apart. You know, just uh, just a bunch of things, right? So. Friday night, I got a call back like, hey, what if we work on, you know, change a little structure, work on this. Saturday morning, um, it, it all worked out. I took the job um, and, and it was kind of already out there. You know, my phone was blowing up, but it wasn't actually really done until Saturday. Even Saturday when people would text me, I'd say, I don't know, like, there's things yeah. working out. And, um, you know, we, then we just sat, sat around and kind of like processed it, man. We watched college football and well, my wife, you know, we were up in Cape May, New Jersey. It's 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 a good 10, 11 hours back to Charlotte. We had my wife we had my wife had me and, and, and her, obviously, three dogs, three kids. <laughs> and uh, we woke up. We woke up. Saturday. She would wake up at 4 a.m. on Sunday. I was like, I'll oh, wait a little later. 
took us, bro, we left our GPS when we left said, you'll arrive at 6 p.m. in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. We didn't get there till 1130, sitting in traffic. My wife's ironing clothes till like one in the morning. We're up at four mm-hmm. on a private jet from Carolina to Charlotte at six. Got here yesterday, met everybody, press conference, talked to the team. Um, it's been crazy, but, uh, but uh, it's been fun. Dude, why are you driving? Why couldn't you fly from, you know, get the Philly airport, a 20-minute drive. You put those dogs in crates. I don't know what they do on these flights. I don't have a dog. Why are you driving 11 hours? You're a head coach of, a, of one of the, the most storied college football programs of all time. Well, so at the time, you know, when we went to Cape May, we went to Cape May last, you know, last week, last, last Friday. We were like, yeah, we'll, rent a, we'll get the Sprinter van. We'll take a bunch of stuff up to the house. You know, we'll spend all week. We were coming to New York to see you. Yeah. So, you know, so we just never thought that, hey, by the way, next week we'll be moving to another time zone. <laughs> so, um, trust me, about hour six. And the whole time, I, we, Julie drove the whole time. I was really? on the phone. Really? What are you doing on the phone? Alerts. You're dealing with, the, with, the, with new recruits already? Or are you talking yeah. to coaching staff, trying to get a coaching staff together? Yeah, so I was talking to coaches. I was talking to current players at Nebraska, you know, because that's a crazy time. All of a sudden you have a new coach. You're like, oh, my gosh, what's what's this going to mean? You know, do I have a future here? Then I was calling recruits like, you know, the kids that were committed, uh, just saying, hey, you know, excited to have a chance to get to know you. Um, and uh, uh, but, but a lot of a lot of coaches, a lot of staff, a lot of people reaching out. And I never wanted to be one of those guys who blows people off. I, you know, I still haven't got back to people because yeah. you know how your iPhone works, man. You, 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 you try to hit one and then like three more come in. It goes yep. to the bottom. So I, it's just been a nonstop process. Let me ask you, when something like that happens and it's a, you know, you've been, whether you were dismissed as the coach, you go through this low and maybe it's quiet on the phone, but then when the good news comes, everybody's there for you and everybody comes out of the woodwork. Hey coach, I knew you'd be back. Well, where were you the last six weeks? Who was it who reached out to you when you lost your job in Carolina that maybe you were a little surprised by that had your back and said, Hey, I'm here for you regardless. Name me someone, a former coach, a former teammate, anybody. I think that's the cool stuff. Not when you get the great news, but when the bad news comes down. I'll tell you what, the people that really had an impact on me, like Howie Roseman was one of the first people to text me. Andy Reid, uh, that, that day, uh, just, you know, a Brad Childress who I've never worked with, um, you know, and just was like, Hey, you know, obviously, you know, you're a good coach, you know, but this will, this will teach you a lot. This will, this will make you a way better coach in the future. Um, you know, coach Belichick out of, goes out of his way to call me and just, you know, you know, waited a little while and was like, Hey Matt, um, what can I do for you? I mean, I just, I think that that's really cool that, that, that those guys did that for me, but at the same time, you know, uh, Coach Reed had went through this. Uh, Coach Belichick went through it. They, they lost their jobs and they knew the best was ahead. And so, um, you know, that, that's a hard time. It, it's kind of like after a game, you win the game, you have 500 texts, yep. you lose the Congrats. game. It's like my mom, my aunt, my wife, and like three of, three of my friends. And so I always, I always just try to keep track of, hey, who are the all the time people? Who are the people that no matter what happens, you know, they're kind of ride or die with me. We're an NFL podcast. I'm an NFL guy. You know that, but... Nebraska Cornhuskers, dude. Now they might not have been, might not be right now where they were, but you and I growing up in the eighties and nineties, I'm talking, you know, obviously Tom Osborne, but I go right through to, you know, Tommy Frazier to Corey Schlesinger to Indomitian Sue in the early two thousands under Bill Callahan, just wrecking shop. What an important program for college football. When you see that logo on your, the breast of your shirt, like, do you get chills? Absolutely. Um, I came in this morning. I couldn't really sleep. So I, I came in this morning. I was, like, was walking in 
I, you know, now, now that I'm back to college recruiting, I'm posting stuff on Twitter and Instagram again, and, but I'm walking and I could see like, you know, you, you come around the corner and, and the, and the door of the stadium's open. I kind of walked in the stadium and the five national championships are lit. Mm. And you look up there and you want to talk about, you know, I've been some great places, but I've never been to a place that's, you know, as a head coach, that's won the ultimate prize. And so um, that, that, that lets you know that, you know, Hey, you know what, it can be done here. And therefore, it should be done here. And so, um, just you're exactly right. Thinking back to, to to all the great teams, and then you know, I some of my favorite players. Like I love Indomitian Sue. I, yeah. I, I I had a chance to coach Amir Abdullah, probably one of my favorite players I've ever coached. And so, still in the fun. league, Amir. I saw him have a so, touchdown this week. I was like, he, Amir Abdullah's there. <laughs> he's he's outrageous. He's so, he's so <laughs> smart, so competitive, man. I love him. And so it's really cool. To, it's really cool to you know be at those guys' programs. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you go from the NFL back to college and in that time, it's only been two and a half years, but transfer portal, NIL. Now, you know, USC and UCLA are coming to the Big Ten to face you. A lot has happened. Do you feel like you could just get right back in the saddle or do you have to like kind of study up on what all this stuff means before we hit the recruiting trail? Yeah, you definitely have to study up. And um you know, from the day I got fired, you know, I, I, I said, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to work on all these things. And so really started looking at, you know, what does NIL mean? You know, what you know, what does the transfer portal mean? Because, you know, when we went at Temple and we went at Baylor and those those are great places, but they're not blue bloods. You had to you had to know every rule. You had to know every edge. You had to find a way to, you know, hey, how are we going to build the best roster possible? And so now that there's new rules, man, I want, I, I need to know, <laughs> I need to know what I can do and what I can't do. Um, and you know what, that, that's something that I take a lot of pride in. So uh, I'm excited to get out there. You know, we, we uh, you know, obviously they're coming off of three and nine and four and eight. So the only way to fix that is, is, is to make sure the players you have, you're, you're, you're coaching up and developing and getting them big and strong, but you have to go recruit and you have yeah. to get guys in the transfer portal. Uh, you have to, you have to, you know, upgrade the roster. I know how you are in, in the in the living rooms because we've been hearing about it for years that you're one of the best recruiters to ever hit college football to get, you know, three star, four star talent to, to places like Temple and then Baylor after the controversies that they went through. Um, what's the Matt Rule pitch to Nebraska? What are you telling to a kid who's from Atlanta, Georgia, or the kid who, you know, is in California or Texas? Why should I come to Lincoln, Nebraska for a program that hasn't had much success over the recent history? Yeah, well, I think I think when you look back at the history of Nebraska, okay, it's it's always been probably the, the premier player development uh, uh, team. You know, um, guys have come there for years. You know, walk-ons in state. Um, you know, they were they were one of the originals in terms of strength and conditioning, in terms of nutrition, in terms of academic support. They they lead the country in academic all-Americans, and it's not even close. So, you know, to me, it's not going to be for everybody. But if you're somebody who really, really wants to become a pro football player or you really want to become a guy that doesn't just play three years, but plays like 10 years in the league. If you want to come and get a great education, those are the guys I want to coach. You know, I want to coach guys that are really serious about football. You know, I mean, it's outrageous here. I mean, I'm sitting in an office in a facility that that is nicer than any place I've ever been. And it's only here for like three more months before we move into our new 150 million, 150 million dollar <laughs> facility. And um, so, you know, if, if no matter where you are in the country, if you're really serious about training, if you're really serious about your body and sports science, if you're, if you're serious about your academics, you know, we have, we have as much, if not more than anyone else. What was your pitch to some of these coaches to leave their jobs and maybe consider joining your staff? Yeah. You know, I, 
it's 10 years for me as a head coach, three different places. Um, you know, going into my fourth place in my 11th year, I've got a lot of guys that are like my guys. Um, you know, if I, if I, if I made a mistake in the NFL, you know, one of them is, is I hired some guys who I hired them for their experience, but they weren't, they, they, they didn't maybe always connect with me and that's not their fault. I'm not saying anything negative about them, but you know, I, I do things differently. Um, I'm going to be a highly demanding guy. I want things done a certain way. I want us to serve the players. The players don't serve us. We serve the players. And so Interesting. for me, it's a, it's a, it, for me, it's about us, me identifying the right guys. And, um, and so a lot, it'll be a lot of my guys that come guys that trust me and believe in me. Um, it's guys that, you know, to be a player development program, you have to have coaches that love, love helping players get better. And I'm not just talking about, Hey, you're great players. I'm talking about who's the coach, who's the strength coach that's working with the walk-on that probably will never yeah. play. Well, you know what? The walk-on that I th- that people thought would never play at temple was, was Hassan Reddick. Huh. first round pick yeah you know so if you just pour into young people and you help them um they'll have better lives and then some, some will work out for you so my take has been hey if you come here man we're going to build something special there's no doubt we'll win but we'll, we'll affect a lot of lives along the way and the biggest thing is you know we get to do it our way here you know trev alberts the ad said matt we're bringing you here for what you did at baylor and temple i want you to do it your way and you know sometimes people say they want you to do it their way and then they they, they it's uncomfortable they don't want to do it here, uh, it, you know, I just fit. And so I think they'll let me do it my way. And uh, the coaches that believe in that will be with me. All right. Rapid fire before you go, because I know you've got a million things to do, including calling every recruit in the Northeast that had just their eyes, their ears perked up. Wait, wait, Matt Rule just went to Nebraska. Okay. Um, here's some things. I'm going to say a name. You give me a story that comes to mind about this person. We're going to stick in the NFL. Let's start off with one of your first NFL coaches when you were an assistant, Tom Coughlin. Give us a good Tom Coughlin story. Yeah. So, so I get the head coaching job at Temple. And I'm the assistant online coach. He walks in my office and he says, you know, you taking that job? I said, yes, sir. He said, I'm expecting you to finish the season. I said, yes, sir. He just turned and walked out. I was like, oh, geez. Like, what was month was it? When was it? December, uh, January? It, yeah, it was like, it was like December. Yeah, we were getting yeah. to play at the Atlanta Falcons. We had some games left. And uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it, was, it was December because like that night was the uh, was the Maritish New York Giants Christmas party, which is okay. really well done. And my wife and I show up, my wife's pregnant out to here. And Judy Coughlin, uh, just one of the most wonderful women to ever grace this earth, comes walking up and she's like, oh, Matt, Julie, we're so happy for you. She said, Matt, Tom is so excited. He's so proud of you. I was like, Tom, Tom, the Tom Coughlin that walked in my office this morning? <laughs> told me I can't leave? And I mean, just like, just yelled at me. And she said, uh, she said, oh, you know how Tom is, but he is so proud of you and we're so excited for you. And, uh, you know, so she was a wonderful, wonderful person to uh, offset his, uh, his, you know, his just, you know, Coach Coughlin way. But I, I love the man. He's uh, He's done more for me than I could ever do for him. Yeah, and he speaks the world of you as well. Uh, Sam Darnold just got his first career win for the Carolina Panthers. You traded picks to get him. It didn't work out for him and you together, yet I don't know. I look at the team right now. The season's not done. Sam just played well against Denver. Yeah, I'm excited for Sam. You know, um, uh, uh, Sam. Sam's uh, he, he, he's one of my favorite guys, and, and I just, you know, I, I think I said it on the show with you. Like, I want to see it work out for him somehow, some way, because – He's such a good dude. I remember when he first came, um, my son and I were walking around. The Wells Fargo Golf Championship was happening. I heard this guy go, Coach Rule. I look over, and there's Sam walking. He's got like a, a Miller Lite or a Bud Light in his hand. <laughs> He's walking with his mom, his dad, his, his sister. And 
Um, you know, he's just a regular guy, man. He's just walking around a golf tournament, drinking a beer, you know, uh, uh, just uh, uh, he's the type of guy you root for, man. Yeah. All right. Christian McCaffrey now having a lot of success in San Francisco for a team that's won four straight games. I have a hundred stories. I, I can tell you about him cheating in ping pong. <laughs> I, can, I, can t- I can tell you about a lot of things. But, uh, you know, it's funny. He, he actually texted me yesterday. He uh, details of my contract came out. He, he, he had he had no choice but to say, hey, um, I can't wait for the offseason. Uh, you're buying dinner. And, yeah, uh, it's the first time. First time he's not buying dinner. Come on, look at the contract <laughs> you guys gave him. <laughs> no doubt. He, he, uh, he, he's doing just fine, but I'm, I'm so happy for him that he's, he's playing well because, um, you know what I think, Peter, I think, I think people haven't seen his best football. They'll see it in the playoffs. They'll see in the playoffs when like, you're not worried about, Hey, getting him to the playoffs or keeping them, you know, and not saying injury wise, just like explosive when it, when it's time to cut loose, that guy's going to do special things. Yeah. Um, Bill Belichick, you mentioned that. I know you guys had joint practices with the Patriots. I was, I'm always fascinated because every coach in the coaching community absolutely adores Belichick and says he's a big brother. He's incredible. He doles out wisdom. And yet we in the outside, the media, the fans, we don't see that side. So any interactions with Belichick? Yeah. You know, um, uh, I'll tell you two of them. I hope he doesn't get mad at me for the first one. But years ago, I went to the combine when I had Reddick and I had a bunch of guys and, and Nick Casario and the guys were like, hey, you know, why don't you come up and meet Coach Belichick? And um, I was like, oh, if you want me to. And they, they wanted to get some information. So I went up to the suite and Coach Belichick was sitting in the corner and I walked in. And Coach kind of looked at me. I don't think he knew. Him. Hopefully he didn't know him. Was, but he, <laughs> and he looked away and he just walked in the other that room. That was it. And I was like, ah. they were like, I'm mad, mad. I'm like, I'm like, this is the greatest story of all time. <laughs> it's good. But, it just uh, completely blew me off. It's great. I, I, but you know what? Like just going up there and working with him this year, playing him, you know, playing against him last year, seeing him at the owners meetings, like he's become a friend to me. I, uh, you know, I consider him a friend. I mean, even in this job, you know, our president, uh, Ted Carter, uh, Navy man, new, new coach Belichick. And, and he's someone whose wisdom I rely on. I, you know, coach and I talked about this job and, and um, I, uh, you know, I hope that, I can do here what he did in his second stint, and that's uh, do it, do it right, and do it the way you know I want. Two last questions. One: What was the one thing you learned from your two and a half years in the NFL as a head coach? And in the same vein, if you could do it all over again, what would be the one thing you would change? Looking back on it, as obviously it didn't work out with Super Bowl victories or anything like that. I, I, I think I probably would just probably just you know uh, probably taking another job. You know, I mean, I think I mean, it's a great place. Uh, you know, the wonderful people, but I just. Don't know if I was a fit there. You know, at the end of the day, um, you know, we, we, we talked about, hey, we're going to have a, a, a four-year plan, a five-year plan. You know, if you tell me, hey, we got a two-year plan, then then I'm going to go get signed a bunch of free agents and, and do it. So, you know, what was a four-year plan became a two-year and five-game plan real quick. And Interesting. It, it's not about, hey, it's not, and I'm not angry about it. You know, no. at the end of the day, I understand, but... If you're, if it's going to be that quick, then then we're going to sign some more free agents. We're gonna we're gonna go make the blockbuster trade. We're gonna do those things. I think the trajectory that we were on was correct. It was to it was to have a team that next year could maybe build. make a big trade um, that could you know. And I think you see the signs of it right now. When they play well on offense, they win. You know, there's a good defense there, and um, I I give Steve all the credit. I give the coaches all the credit. But I'm part of that building process. Yeah. So had that just stayed for maybe through this year. And maybe made the big free agent signing this year to get them over the top. I think that the Panthers could win the the NFC South for years to come. And, yeah, and they still might win it this year. They still might win it this year. You know, I feel bad. I, I didn't say it on um, Good Morning, morning football, football, but, yeah. but um, you know, I know Kyle picked us to win the NFC South. I told you guys. I told the team, hey guys, I know we're struggling right now, non you know, outside the conference, but we 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 will win the NFC South if we stay to it. So, you know, 
I hate, I hate it getting fired. I understand, you know, when you're one and four, but I look at what Ron did. I look at what Kyle did last year. I think Kyle was two and four last year. Yeah. You know, the only thing I didn't want to do was leave the guys early because um, I believe the team would have a chance if, if just things started to click and PJ made some plays, they won some games, Deontay Foreman's coming on DJs. So, you know, I, I take, uh, give Scott a lot of credit, but I also, I, I also deserve some of the credit for some yeah, of those players. Being absolutely. There, uh, for some of the, the culture that's been built, the, the systems that were put in, um, so yeah, when I look back, what would I do differently? There's little things I made. I might have not signed this guy. I might have traded for this guy. But there's no major one. You know, I think as I've said to you, like, you know, we made, we had some close attempts at some blockbuster trades, and if yeah. one of those trades would have gone through, we might be in a whole different spot. But everything happens for a reason. You know, I'm 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 here, and you know what? I'm I'm probably supposed to be here, and uh, I'm, I'm happy for Steve. I'm really excited for Scott Fitterer. I can't say enough uh, how much I think of him. Um, but you know what, Peter, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I, I think, uh, if you asked me to get, do you a four-year plan, I think the four-year plan was close. I can't say it was yeah. perfect, yeah. but it was close. And I'm, I'm hoping that, you know, uh, and, and that four-year plan is without Christian, had Christian stayed, you know, maybe next year the right, the right person, you know, the right addition, maybe that team could have won the NFC South and won it for a couple of years. Totally. Um, you're the best for being so candid, open and honest. My last question is a fun one. Coaching in the NFL for two and a half years, seen at training camp, preseason, regular season. Who was the greatest player that you saw live and in person as far as the NFL goes? The guy that you were like, now, hey, now, this is something different. Oof. Well, okay. My favorite player. Okay, my better question. Player. Your favorite no, no, player. My, like the player that like, if- You got if, excited to see, even if he's wearing a different uniform. Yeah, but like, like, my, like it's going to sound nuts, but like, not, not nuts, but it's going to be outside the Buda Baker. Talk I about mean, I love that answer. I mean, Give like, me that. Number three on the Arizona Cardinals, Buddha the captain. I mean, he plays, he plays like like scary hard. Um, <laughs> you know, I think he's so unsung. I think he's one of the premier players. Like, I hugged him after the game. Like, they beat us this year, and I hugged him. I'm like, I just love the way you play football. Um, another guy that I don't think gets enough credit, who I loved watching him play. Grady Jarrett, I think he's... Atlanta Falcons, dominant 97, the big man. I, I think he's just a dominant, dominant, dominant player. Um, but the, the, the probably the... And there's a lot of them. I, I thought, like, you hear about Nick Bosa. Like, like we literally had yeah. on our call sheet this year, like, because like, like sometimes in the fourth series, he would rotate out. We literally had, like, plays that were, like, 97 out plays. Like, like you know, if he's out, we can run this. If he's in, we, we one, can't. Yeah, I mean, one person, like, is, is Bosa in, is Bosa in, is Bosa Oh, he's out. Okay, now, hey, let's call. That's like, good. No one's going to no one's gonna match up with him. But I think the best player in the NFL is, you know, I should say, one of the, I, I, to me, is, is Trent Williams. I think, uh, yeah. I thought it was funny earlier when there was that thing about his stance and all that. If I'm he like, does this, he's running. If he does that, he's passing. Yeah. I'll tell you something. Doesn't Trent, matter. Williams, Trent, Trent Williams, if he told me he wanted to stand on one leg to block people, I'd say, oh, cool, do your thing. But, <laughs> but he is just he is just elite beyond elite. And um, uh, But the best player I ever saw in the league um, was Tom Brady. I uh, just, you know, I just, uh, you know, I saw him later in his career. He, he did think we played two-man. And we undercut the route like you're supposed to. And he actually threw it behind the undercutting guy and the guy made the catch. And I was like, you can't defend it. I I was at a wedding this, I was at a wedding this summer and we're sitting there. My girls were not, you know, they were not really listening to to their mom. And we were kind of like, Hey, hang in there. And also my son was like, and I said, what, what, buddy, what? And he, and that was not the summer, but whatever it was. March. Yeah. Show it, showed it to me. And it was, Tom Brady's coming back. And I tried to be a tough coach. I was like, well, that's great. You know, you want to go against the We want best. the best of the best. I was like, oh my goodness. Like, I thought he was going to go on Amazon or something or a Fox. Yeah. Or, so I would say I just, you know, it was, it was just an honor to be on the same field as him. 
It's an honor having you on the podcast. To to the listeners listening, you know we like having uh, you know the coolest guests, and we've had so many great GMs and coaches. But Matt, for you to come on, you know, a couple days after announcing you're joining one of the most storied programs to be their head coach, to join our NFL podcast, be open, honest, and give us the time. You know how much it means to me, but it really means a lot to everybody involved with the podcast. I appreciate you, brother. You're, You're you're the best of the best. You are, and we are rooting for Nebraska. I'm hoping that you send me either uh, who, do, what, which player should I reference from the old Nebraska days? I want an old Nebraska throwback player. You pick it. I, which guy do you think is like? Who do you think of when you think of like '80s Tom Osborne black shirts defense? Who's the name that comes to mind? I mean, you know, I, since he's my new boss, I got to say Trev Alberts. Trev, yeah, Trev is amazing. College Football Hall of Fame. I got, I got to throw. You know, he, 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 he's, he's uh, my guy. But there's, there's so many, man. I mean, I got to meet Johnny Rogers yesterday. Did you? Like, Heisman oh, Trophy yeah. winner. He, 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 me and Brian, all, all, we all, we all, we all hit the Heisman pose together. So, uh, you know, this is just, you know, every, every, every day I'm going to meet someone else who's. You know, you know Grant Wistrom. I mean, I mean yeah, so many guys. Rams. I mean, yeah. How many guys am I going to meet that you know I watched on TV? And it's uh, it's a, it's pretty surreal. It's amazing. Amon Green was in Nebraska, right? Oh yeah. Amon Green was awesome. Great Packer player too. I was always Tommy Frazier. That was my guy. And I think if Tommy Frazier enters the NFL in 2022, he's probably starting on an NFL team making plays. It's just a different no, time. There's no doubt. It's a fun league to watch. You know, you watch. Uh, we're sitting here talking about recruiting, and I'm watching Jalen Hurts play the other night, and I'm like, let's just do what he's doing. <laughs> right? Like, figure that out. Um, you're the best, Matt. I appreciate it. Good luck to you and the family, and uh, get settled, man. We'll be watching. Good luck in the Big Ten. Thanks, brother. Go Big Red. (laughs) You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Matt Rule was incredible. I love when a a coach or a GM or someone in Matt's position who's recently been fired comes on and is just candid vulnerable, open, honest. I think he said a lot more than I even expected. And uh, Aaron and I might might wrap this thing in a little bit. But before we do that, I got to get smarter. And for the last two weeks, Taylor Kyles has joined us from the NFL Network Research Group and has made us smarter. He's talked about Justin Jefferson. He's talked about Matthew Judon. And today... I want to welcome Taylor to the show because we got to talk about Josh Jacobs and the Raiders. Taylor, what's up, man? I'm excited to heap some praise on Josh Jacobs. That performance was insane. It was, and it started off early. He had like a one-handed grab early on the sidelines, and I'm like, all right, this guy's having a day. But before we get into like what he's doing, just big picture for me, what's amazing is in August, I was doing the Good Morning Football show, and we're talking about Josh Jacobs playing in the Hall of Fame game, like getting real carries in August. And the questions are like, well, what? I'm like, well, he's on the fifth-year option. They didn't pick it up. It's his, you know, he's he's in his last season with the Raiders. It's kind of like this might be a showcase if they want to trade him before the season. There is talk of that. And so you let him get some carries and put it on tape. Uh, Taylor, we're entering week 13. He might be the best running back in football this season. 
Yeah, I mean, it's hard to debate. He's the rushing leader. He just set the Raiders franchise record for scrimmage yards in a game. And the thing is, he's doing it in multiple facets. Like you said, he had the one-handed catch. Against Denver, you saw he had a crazy vertical route out of the backfield where he got open downfield. So you're starting to see, not only is he this bruising, you know, back who can do it all, run different schemes, but he's also starting to get involved in the pass game. So, I mean, it's kind of like Lamar Jackson situation where it feels like every single game, well, maybe not Lamar Jackson recently, with the <laughs> struggling, but the situation he had early in the season where it's like, this man is making more money every single time he touches the field because his performance has just been great. And like I said, we're starting to see more of his versatility as well, which is exciting, but might be tough for the Raiders. So they want to bring him back. Yeah, they, they drafted the kid white out of Georgia, and I thought by now he would be the one. He's Him and Cook were in the backfield for those Bulldogs, and you're like, all right, well, they drafted this guy. He's going to play, and Jacobs is kind of going to be like the Melvin Gordon to the Javante Williams. It's been just the opposite. Uh, it has been all Josh Jacobs. Take us within the numbers. Take us a little deeper. Empty the bag. Josh Jacobs, 2022, and especially this past week. So this past week, interestingly, he actually had the fastest speed for a ball carrier on his final touchdown run in overtime that he's had this entire career, which really? is pretty <laughs> nuts because, I mean, it's he's a pretty fast guy, but you give him room, clearly, that guy's hitting 20 miles an hour. And then he also had a career high in rushing yards over expected and receiving yards over expected by next-gen stats in his career in that game. So, What does that mean? Take me through that. I, don't, I know there's a lot of next-gen stats, but over-expected. So who, someone based on past performances gives you like what we expect from rushing yards and receiving yards. Is that what that is? Yes, sir. So with next-gen, we got the players with the chips and the pads, and that way we can track them, their speed, different things like that. So based on where different players are on the field, uh, the situation that they're currently in, and then comparing that to all these other different simulations based on what's happened in the past, it gives you an idea idea of okay you know based on the spacing where players are around him this player should gain x amount of yards on this catch or on this run and by that metric he just completely <laughs> broke the system and just yeah. decided hey i'm gonna set myself little career records today <laughs> yeah he was awesome uh is it sustainable and if you're the raiders are you actually considering bringing him back he's playing that well it's tough because knowing Dave Ziegler, you know, I'm a Pats guy. So the Patriots are very strict with their numbers. You know, you can have the best year of your career, but really it's more of them looking into the future. While I do think that Josh Jacobs can build on this, and I think that his ceiling may be higher because, like I said, again, it's the receiving element of it. We all knew he was a great running back. Now he's really getting a chance to prove it. And as much as I know Josh McDaniels likes his running backs, it's tough to see Dave Ziegler matching what I'm sure he's going to get on the market, especially with all the fantastic free agent running backs we got coming this offseason. Can I can I just take a moment to respect the Alabama Crimson Tide running back situation right now in the NFL? Derrick Henry, this guy, Josh Jacobs, and then you've got Brian Robinson with the Commanders, who's on August 27th, was shot. And now, you know, less than three months later, is rushing for 100 yards and is on a team that is red hot with the Commanders. And making extreme, amazing fashion statements. Let's not forget about that. What'd you think of the big hat? You liked it? I was, it reminded me of the, um, I think you should leave sketch with Brian's yep. hat. If you haven't seen it yet, you I have to. I love that you know that. 
I love that you know that. <laughs> that was the first thing. Tim Robinson, fantastic. Uh, real quick before we let you go, mm. I went on a good two-minute soliloquy about my love for Jackson DeVille, the mascot for the Jaguars and his attire during Sunday's game. I am assuming you saw the American flag bikini and the rear shot as well. Your thoughts on Jackson DeVille and what he brought to the, to the Jaguars on Sunday? I mean, another fashion statement. I have never in my life seen a mascot with only the head, but I mean, he was making it work. It gets hot down there. <laughs> You got to do what you got to do. And if you're going to do it, you might as well represent the country on your attire. So I thought he looked, uh, I thought it was definitely an interesting choice, but one I'm hoping they bring back. That was a, that was a pretty sick look. Taylor, that's why I want you on the podcast. I love the next-gen stats and the wins above replacement, and you do an amazing job. It's why you are the guy who makes us smarter. But when you can talk about bikinis that have American flags in the same conversation, that makes you truly, truly exemplary. Thank you for setting me up for it, my guy. Beautiful. All right, we'll talk to you next week, Taylor. Thanks for making us smarter. Can't wait. Thank you again. We're going to wrap this week's podcast here. And before we go, I just wanted to shout out Two amazing games uh, that are both in the four o'clock window this Sunday. It, I got to tell you, I, there's very few regular season games before Thanksgiving that I can really genuinely be so excited for. Once Thanksgiving hits, and John Madden used to say this, that's when football really matters. And I'm looking at this schedule. I'm telling you, as much as we love the Chiefs and Buffalo and all things, like the Dolphins are a story, and I still don't think they're getting their respect yet. They're playing the Niners on Sunday and the interactions between these two teams are going to be really interesting because Mike McDaniel coached for Kyle Shanahan in about 10 different places before he got to Miami and of course was with the Niners throughout this recent rise that they've had. But it's not just him. There's a lot of Dolphins staff members, Wes Welker, uh, Embry, who's a tight ends coach. Then you got the players, whether it be Jeff Wilson or Mostert. There are so many common bonds between these two teams and I think the Dolphins fashion themselves like Niners Southeast. I, I'm not saying Super Bowl preview, but I'm not not saying Super Bowl preview. And while that game's going on on Fox, over on CBS, you have a rematch of last year's AFC Championship game, the suddenly red-hot Bengals against the suddenly red-hot Chiefs. Um, to have Bengals, Chiefs, and Niners, Dolphins on at the same time as we go into Week 13... That's why we watch. It's why you stay home on Sunday. I can't wait for it. It's going to be excellent. Uh, Aaron, I love going on the podcast once a week with you, but I love our texts throughout the week as well. Um, looking forward to texting you throughout both of those games. Yeah, um, these are going to be exciting. I can't wait. This is a good weekend of games. Good weekend of games, and we're just getting started. Uh, many thanks to you, Aaron. Many thanks to the terrific Matt Rule. Say what you want about his NFL career. This guy can coach on the college level, and he came on and stood to the music and was pretty open and honest on our podcast. I'm pretty proud of that interview. Uh, Taylor Kyle's made us smarter talking about a little bit of Josh Jacobs, but also a little bit about Jackson DeVille and his bikini. Um, I love doing this podcast on behalf of Aaron, Jason English, who's here with us every week, the iHeart team, the NFL digital team, our music maestro, Jack Rudd, uh, and everybody at the NFL network. Thanks for listening guys. Tell your friends, subscribe and enjoy the games this weekend. The Season with Peter Schrager is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, 
your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 